Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. If I don't know you, my name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm, I'm really uh, excited about what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. I think, um, well, I'll say this. Scripture says that this is our number one priority. Like this is the number one thing that we're called to do. Um, the one, number one thing like as believers that we are supposed to do um, because the verse starts with above all else. Above all else. And most people, even a lot of non-believers would know what the next part says. Above all else, guard your hearts. Above all else, guard your hearts because from it flow the issues of life, right? Um, and, and this is the number one thing that we're called to do. It says above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. NLT says, for it determines the course of your life. The Passion Translation says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being for from there flows the wellspring of life above all else. So whether you're a leader, an employee, an employer, a businessman, a doctor, a lawyer, retired, you're a builder, you're an accountant, you're an electrician, you're a pastor, you're a mom, a dad, a spouse, a child, whatever you are, this is the most important thing that you're called to do all the time, every day, 24 seven, above all else, guard this thing, guard your heart. Now it's not talking about the organ or the muscle inside of your chest that's keeping us all alive right now, which you should take care of that too. That, that's a good thing. You should take care of your heart. Um, but what scripture means when it's talking about your heart, he's talking about the center of your being. See, when the Hebrews mentioned your heart, they were talking about the fountain and seat of all your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your appetites, your affections, your purposes, your endeavors. They thought of the heart as the center of understanding, intelligence, will, and character. Your heart influences and impacts how you see the world. Your heart is your control center, is your control center. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in the deepest places of who he is, so is he. And so I wanna talk about this heart that is the most important thing about you this morning. And listen, it's good news that it's the most important thing about you. I am thanking God that it's the most important thing about you and myself. Because it means it's not the most, it's not your gifting, your talent, your experience, your skills, your bank account, your college degree, your vote, whatever it is, not those things. Above all else, your heart, your character, your inside life. And, and in fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint David as king. And when Samuel comes and sees the sons of Jesse, he sees the first son, Eliab, and he's like, here's the man. Like, he looks good. He's tall, dark, and handsome. He's the oldest. Like, dude, this is the guy that's gonna be the next king. And, and the Lord says, don't look on his outward appearance because I judge a man by his heart. Thank God, right? Thank God, right? I look at myself sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm glad he didn't judge me by my appearance because... I wouldn't be up here. We're really glad that he didn't judge Paul because Paul, I'm just kidding. Uh, but he, he judged, <laughs> he judged, no, he looks good. I looked over this morning and I was like, man, look at Paul in that shirt and those muscles. My goodness. He just got back from the beach. He's all tan. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that he judges our heart. He judges the inside of who we are. Now, 
I want to preface, I want to say this also, that that doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want with the outside. You know, you, you don't get to use that as an excuse to justify rebellious behavior with your body. Um, this, that, that's sinful, right? This body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I am too also supposed to take care of it. But what God is talking about here is he's not, ju- he actually even says, I have rejected David's appearance. He's like a ruddy redheaded boy. The rest of his brothers seems like they're tall, dark and handsome, but he's like, I'm not judging him by that. I've seen that boy out there in those fields with those sheep singing his little heart out when the only, his only audience is the sheep. Thank goodness that he just looks at our hearts. That's good news. It means you don't have to be the most talented, the best looking, or the richest. He's looking for those whose hearts are set on him, those who are seeking him, those whose hearts, the very center of their being from the deepest place of who they are, want to find his face. They want to move his heart. He's looking for hearts. Proverbs 21, 12 says that he, that he weighs a man's character by the content, the intentions, the motives of his heart. Thank the Lord. Now, I think we hear a lot of times, and uh, we're, we're notorious for throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So we, we, we hear culture say, follow your heart. And so we immediately go, that's evil, that's wrong. Let's get away from that. Don't, no, don't follow your heart. Don't follow your feelings. Don't do any of those things. And it's like, oh, like okay, I get like, you're, we're not supposed to live selfishly. It's, it's, it's dangerous to do whatever you feel like doing whenever you feel like doing it. That anybody with a brain could think for two seconds and go, that's not a wise thing to do. You shouldn't do those things. And so when culture says, you know, follow your heart, they mean do what you wanna do. Put yourself before others, follow your flesh, your sinful inclinations. We know that's awful. We know that's harmful. We know that's a demonic worldview. It's a destructive way to live. You know, we know that you can't have a culture, a society, a civilization if that's your moral compass. We can read a history book and see how evil mankind is. We can read our own history book and see how evil we have been. We can look in our past. We can see the thoughts that we've had. We can see the way that we've acted and how evil we ourselves have been, right? There's, we have all had thoughts in here that we have not shared with anybody because they are so evil and wicked, right? And so like, I, I get the caution, the danger of like, don't follow your heart, don't follow your feelings, don't follow your emotions. I get all that, but God has a lot to say about our heart and about our feelings and about our emotions. He actually created all those things. He created our heart our feeling, our emotions. Paul Kern says all the time that our feelings, our emotions, they're the spice of life, right? They're amazing. We're not meant to just be intellectual mind robots, right? God said, do this. So I'm gonna do it with no emotion and passion at all, right? That, that's not the way that we're supposed to live our life. In scripture, they, it does warn us about being led by those things. Uh, Jeremiah 17 says that the, the heart is deceitful above all else. But in the context of that scripture, Jeremiah is talking about those who have hardened their hearts towards God. Those who have made their hearts stubborn towards his leading and his calling. Those who are unbelieving, right? So the unbelieving, hard, rebellious heart is a heart that is deceitful above all else. But it has some amazing things to say about our hearts. There is a real danger in being led by our feelings, but there also is equally a danger of being so shallow that you never feel. There is a danger in being led by your feelings, but there equally is a danger of being so shallow that you never feel it. The heart is wicked and is evil, but it doesn't have to stay that way. It it is wicked and it is evil unless you've been redeemed, unless you have been made new. Our hearts can be made completely new. Ezekiel 36, 
verses 24 through 27. I love this verse. It says, for I will gather you up from all nations to bring you home again to your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and make you clean. Your filth will be washed away. You'll no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn hearts and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So, so God gives us a new heart and a new spirit so that we can follow him, so that we can obey him, so it can be redeemed. And sorry, I'm getting worked up, getting, getting thirsty. Um, in 2 Samuel chapter seven, David wakes up one day and he calls the prophet to him and he says, look at me, I'm in this cedar palace and my Lord is in this tent. He's in this tabernacle made of cloth. I want to build him a grand temple. And the prophet says, do what is ever in your heart. Sounds like follow your heart. That's what it sounds a lot like. Follow your heart. It doesn't say mind. Well, actually, you'll go back. I know some of you guys, you'll come correct me as soon as I'm done. New Living Translation says whatever you have in your mind. New King James King James Version. I know some of y'all are like 1611 King James Version only. That's all you've ever read. It's all you ever will read. God bless you. Whatever version you read, read it the most. I don't care. But it says, the old version says, do whatever is in your heart. The Hebrew word there, even that gets replaced with mind, is heart because the Hebrews looked at it as all one together thing, the innermost parts of who you are. Psalms 37 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, if it's, a, if it's all evil, then why would he give us the desires of our heart? Jesus told us to love God with all of our heart. Well, if it's evil, how could we do that? <laughs> Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, so they shall, for they shall see God. So our heart can be purified and we can see God with a pure heart. Psalms 27, David says, with my heart, I heard you say, seek my face. So my heart responds with all of me, I'm seeking your face. Psalms 119 says, with my whole heart, I seeketh after thee, Lord. So we're supposed to, there's a part of a believer, a big part of us where we are supposed to follow our heart, where we are supposed to follow our feelings, where we are supposed to be led by those emotions and those things. We are supposed to follow what moves us into joy, what moves us into tears, what moves us into those things. We are supposed to follow it. But it's those who have been given a new heart, a redeemed heart. You could even call it being spirit-led. Uh, oftentimes I'll, I say like, well, I, you know, the, I really feel like the Lord is telling me this or leading me to do this or whatever. And God is, is, is talking to me this way. And people say, well, I don't really ever hear God talk to me. It's because you're trying to listen here and not here. Here on podcast, I'm pointing at my ears. You're trying to listen here. And now I'm pointing at my heart and you're not listening here. We're trying... See, the spirit is inside of you. And so he is speaking to your innermost being and he is trying to lead you. Now, if those impulses are sinful, guess what they're not from? The Lord. But if they're righteous and they're good, guess who they're from? The spirit, which is absolutely incredible and amazing. In John three, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says that you must be born again. And those who are born again are like, this, he says, the spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is a man born of the spirit. And so our hearts become these sails that we allow the spirit to blow his wind into and lead us wherever he wants us to go. 
Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to wake up tomorrow and, man, I feel like I'm called to this church, and I feel like I'm called to this church, and I feel like I'm called to this school, and I feel like I'm called to this school, and I feel like I'm called to not be in, you know, it's, it's not to just like kind of dump, dump around and do whatever you want to do. That's not what it is at all. It's, it's a person that says, Lord, my sales are up. I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. I'm going to talk to whoever you want me to talk to. I'm going to live the way that you want me to live. And, and, and if, if you want to discern how God sounds in your heart, read your Bible. God doesn't speak to me. Hello. He did. It's amazing. And the more you read this, the more you hear him here. The more you read this and ask the Lord to speak to you through it, the more that you hear him here. He has spoken through his Bible. He's still speaking. His voice is never gonna contradict this either. So if you hear something telling you that is, that is contradictory to this, guess who it's not from? The Lord. Even the devil tried to twist scripture with Jesus. Like what a dummy, right? Like what a, the devil's such an idiot, okay? He's the only person I can call an idiot from the stage. He's an, he's an idiot, right? What a Lucy, okay? Like he's just, my goodness. He tried to twist the scripture to the very word of God. Dummy. Big stupid devil. Little stupid devil. He's, God is still speaking, but his voice will not contradict what the word says. So you can follow your heart, but it, your heart has to be trained. It has to be redeemed. It has to be healthy. It has to be guarded. I want to tell you this too, that purpose is found in a healthy heart. Purpose is found in a healthy heart. If your heart is healthy, listen, if your heart is healthy, I wanna ask you this morning, what moves you? What moves you? We all have the ability to look into the world and see things that are not right with the world. And we all have a longing of trying to make something right in the world. And we all feel led different ways to make that right. So there are going to be some things that you care about that I don't care about. And there's going to be things that I care about that you don't care about. And that's totally fine. That is the church working together to bring God's will on the earth as it is in heaven. And so what moves your heart? What brings you to tears in the world? There, there was a time as a, a new, well, even if I blow it now, that will bring me to tears, but there was a time where my tears at this altar were because of sin that I had committed. But now, a redeemed heart, the tears of this altar are not because of a sin that I've committed, but because of my sorrow for the world, how I want it to know the love of God. Or my tears are at this altar because I have recognized the goodness of the Lord and his, his, his presence still moves me. So we need a heart right with God. First of all, if your heart is not right with God, then communion with God is impossible. You must be born again. Deuteronomy 30, 30 chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 30, verse six says, the Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him and all your heart and soul so that you may live. We need a heart filled with him, a heart filled with him. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So as I delight in him, what does that mean? As I worship, as I praise, as I live from thanksgiving, as I delight in him, he fills my heart with his presence. And when my heart is full of his presence, guess what my desires are? They're his desires, okay? And then I have to have a heart that's set on God's word. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing 
even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Let the word of God penetrate your heart deeply. So we have this verse, above all else, guard your heart, guard your heart. And I, I, wanna, say, I wanna say this, guard your heart oftentimes gets taken out of context a little bit. I understand the meaning, but a lot of people say guard your heart as it's like it's relationship advice. It's not what Solomon was talking about here. He wasn't talking about relationship advice. Guard your heart didn't mean avoid getting hurt. That's not what he means here. Guard your heart here, he's talking about retaining God's words and resisting evil. He's talking about protecting yourself from sinning at all cost. Guarding your heart above all else, above all else, is not about living for safety, it's about living for holiness. I'm gonna say that again. Above all else, guard your heart is not about living for safety, it's about living for holiness. That's what it's about. Because sin is crouching at the door, God tells Cain in Genesis 4, and it will become your master if you allow it. And Peter, he says, that the devil is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So be sober, be vigilant because he's looking, right? So what is being sober and being vigilant looks like guarding your heart, guarding these feelings and these emotions, guarding this thing right here. That's how we guard our heart, okay? So guarding your heart, maybe your heart isn't healthy. You need to get it healthy. Proverbs before in verses 20 through 22, it says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. You gotta let the word wash your heart. Let his words penetrate your heart deeply. And as your heart is full, Psalms 119 says, I hid your words in my heart. What does that mean? That means he put them on the inside. And so like all of his being was the word of God. You've got to let the word wash your heart. Listen to me, if you want to be able to guard your heart, you've got to have accountability. You've got to have accountability. You've got to have leaders and friends in your life that you allow to sharpen you, that you allow to push you to the Lord. Because you, you may have sin in your heart and not know it. You may have a hard heart and not know it. We all get blind spots. Even... David, who we've been talking about a lot, a man after God's own heart, he had a man killed and committed adultery and he didn't know he was in sin. The prophet Nathan came to him and gave him the little parable about the rich man and the poor man and the sheep. And David said, bring that man, we're gonna kill that guy. And Nathan said, you are that man. Hello, David. Goodness gracious, bro. Talk about a big blind spot. Right? But as soon as it was pointed out to him, he didn't say, bring me another man of God. When am I going to go to a different church? Nathan, you didn't say that the way that I liked it, so I'm going to find somewhere else. You didn't pat me on the back. You didn't talk to me nice enough, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else. That was offensive to me, Nathan. No, he said, I have sinned against God and God alone. And then we get Psalms 51 of that, of purify my heart, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Don't take your spirit from me. When Saul blew it, Saul, Saul was concerned about his position. He wanted Samuel to walk out with him before the people so that they thought he was right with God. David said, don't take your spirit from me, Lord. 
He said, forget the position. I gotta be right with my God. Man. So we had, we've got to have this posture if we want to have a pure heart, if we want to guard our heart. Psalms 139. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. That's not a prayer that I pray a lot. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Is that our heart posture? Is that our prayer? Some of us in this room are probably scared to pray that because we're afraid of what he would put his hands on. But it's the heart that is guarded. It's the heart that is pure. It's the heart that will see God if that remains their heart posture is, no matter what it is, Lord, search me. Search me. Put your hands on it, God. I will give it up for you. That's what a clean heart looks like. That's what a purified heart looks like. That's what a redeemed heart looks like. Maybe that you're not perfect but that you're standing in a place of, I wanna be right with you, Lord. Come on. How do I keep it healthy? The best way to guard something is you've gotta look out for something, right? I love our security team at our church. We got, we got somebody in the back. We've got guys in the front. We've got guys that walk around the parking lot so that if we come under attack, we're not just all sitting in here like ostriches with our head in the sand, but we have watchmen on the tower, right? That's what guarding your heart looks like. It's like, oh, I just fell into sin. No, you didn't just fall into it, right? Well, I just fell in, I just, whoops, no. There was a thought you didn't take captive. You didn't have your watchman up. You didn't have your accountability partner saying, hey man, I noticed this in your character and in your life. You need to cut that out. Okay, we've got to watch out and advance. Defense starts way before the attacker is knocking on, the attacker is knocking on our door way before the attacker's knocking on our door. We've got to remain in him. You want to guard your heart? The best way to do it is remain in his heart. John 15 says, if you remain in me and my words, back to the words again, it's like the Bible's important. Words remain in you. You can ask me anything and I will give it to you. Why? Because the desires of your heart I'll give to you if you delight yourself in me. Come on. I'm exegeting the mess out of this Bible today. Now I'm just connecting it all for you. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm humble myself. <laughs> My words remain in you. And, and let's talk about words for a second. After verse 23, it says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Let's talk about this. Avoid all perverse speech. Jesus talks about, in golly, Luke 6, Matthew 12, Matthew 15, he talks about it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out. Because he's talking to the, the, the Pharisees were talking about food they were eating. And he's like, that food you eat goes into the sewer. Kind of gross, Jesus, weird sermon. But that, because people didn't need another law, they needed a new heart. And so he's saying what comes out of your heart and he says, you're, you're, what comes out of your heart is all those wicked things. What's he saying? He's not saying that our hearts are wicked beyond redemption. He's saying your heart gives you away or your, vo- your, your mouth gives you away. It shows what's really in there. Your, your words show, and man, thank God. Cause then you don't know what you, you like. Now you know what you need to work on, right? 
And I'll tell you, like what I need to work on is like I see my anger and my frustration and my lack of rest coming out whenever I get pushed and pressed and stressed and life gets busy and I'm working and my wife Sarah is working and we've got a whole lot of things going on and I've got four kids all asking me for a snack at the same time, 80 times a day and the house needs to be clean and the yard needs to be mowed. It's 110 degrees outside because we haven't been praying, but it's, it's, Listen, I pre- if, I, if, if this goes over your head, it's because you weren't here when I preached a few weeks ago, but I'm just gonna say, when I left town, it was in the 80s. And while I was gone, I noticed it got really hot. Paul wasn't here either. Me and Paul left town and it got really hot around here. Now me and Paul have showed back up and this week's looking pretty nice. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. But seriously, y'all tell the sun to calm down, Okay. What was I talking about? We'll talk about words. But these these words that are coming out, they reveal us. They show us what we are. And, and, And so the Lord is showing us, man, it's revealing you when you get pressed, when you get tested, those things are coming out so you know what you need to work on in your heart. This is why I believe praying in the spirit is like one of the number one tools that God has given us. You pray in the spirit because Romans eight says that when you pray in the spirit, we pray God's perfect will. Jude 20 says that when we pray in the spirit that we stir up our most holy faith. And so like I have this gift where I can pray in the spirit, I can pray in an unknown tongue and I, and I, I make, I don't always want to, but I make my flesh say, yes, sir. Because I have the spirit of God living on the inside of me. And so even if I don't feel like it, I can tell my flesh that it has to do it. And so I begin to pray in the spirit And I don't feel like it when I first do it, but within a few minutes, man, I feel awesome. Why? Because that has, it's good language that's coming from my heart, from the deep place of who I am, that's coming from the spirit. Well, you say, I may not pray in the spirit, then just pray. If you don't know what to pray, just repeat his name over and over and over and over again, because there is power in his name. There's power in his name. And watch the position Watch the position of your heart move. Okay, how do we get our heart? We gotta take thoughts captive. Philippians tells us, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds all that we can understand. And his peace, guess what it does? Guards your hearts. His peace guards your hearts. Why? By telling him what you need, not worrying about it, and thanking him for what he's already done. See, when your focus is on not the needing, but the thanksgiving, his peace floods your heart and it guards it. And it keeps you from getting into a place where your heart is sick. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so if you've lost hope because you've been praying and believing and praying and believing and praying and believing and it hasn't happened or it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to, you may have allowed your heart to become sick to a place where you don't even pray anymore or you don't even thank God anymore. You believe in him, you're gonna go to heaven when you die, but you just think he wants nothing to do with you here. And so you just kind of go through the motions and you come to church and you even sing the song sometimes, but you have, a, you have a sick heart and you're not believing and praying for what God says to believe and pray for because your heart is sick. So you've got to guard your heart and not allow it to become sick. In Luke 6, He says, a person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. So where your heart is, 
where your treasure is, sorry, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if, you're, if he's your treasure, if he's your treasure, come on, your heart will be there. And good things will flow from that. Why? Because a good, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. If you're producing bad fruit, there's a root problem. Where's the root? Your heart. Your heart. So as I close this morning, the band went long and Tiffany went long. I'm just kidding. I'm just throwing everybody under the bus this morning. I should have started a timer so y'all know how long I was talking. Is your heart sick? Is your heart sick? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about because there's sin in it. Your heart can be sick without sin. Have you lost your tears? Have you lost your tears? Are you numb? If you do a study on the different types of leprosy that we see in the Old Testament, one type of leprosy, one of the first things that it did to your skin is it made you numb. You couldn't feel anything. You couldn't feel anything. And overemphasis on the, on the intellectual will cause you to lose feeling. I'm all for intellectual. I love the intellectual stuff. But an overemphasis on the intellectual will cause you to lose feeling. And oftentimes God wants to move you by your tears. I actually, I, a check, one of the jokes around here is when is Josh going to start crying in his sermon? It happens a lot. If you haven't seen it yet, just hang around for a little bit. You'll see it. Maybe today. Uh, but one of, if I haven't cried in the presence of the Lord, if I haven't cried during worship, if I haven't cried during the preaching of the word, if I haven't cried while I'm reading my Bible, I, I begin to go, I begin to question, is, is my heart sick? Lord, what, what's going on? Maybe I've, maybe I've been inconsistent in my secret place with him. It's not that he is inconsistent, it's that we are. And so maybe I've been inconsistent in my secret place. Like, Lord, what am I doing that I'm feeling numb? What am I doing that I'm feeling numb? And, and I'll say this too. Some of, some of you, and myself included sometimes, some of you couldn't go where others went and worship today, not because you don't love God, but because your heart is sick. Because your heart is sick. Um, we were on an airplane flying back and, um, from vacation this last week and um, the, the pilot said, we're getting clearance to climb all the way to 39,000 feet, which is crazy that we fly that high and kind of scary. But... Um, I think about this, your heart is almost like your air traffic controller because the air traffic controller is the one that has to give them clearance to go to a certain level. And your heart won't give you clearance to go to that level if you've got other things in the way, right? It won't give you clearance. And so that, aircraft, that air traffic controller tells people how high they can go. Your heart is allowing you. And some of you, it's, man, I, you don't think you're worthy enough to get that high. But Hebrews 4 says, since we have this great high priest, your heart has been made new and you can come boldly into his presence, right? Some of you, your hope is deferred because you think God can, but you don't think that he wants to, okay? He wants to take you to another level of glory. He wants to move. Your heart is what can take you there. You can overthink your way out of the presence of God. You can overthink your way out of the presence of God. But if you'll allow him to move your heart to take you to that place, but maybe there's something in the way. Maybe there's something up there where you're not getting clearance. Maybe you're allowing things to land in your heart that aren't supposed to be there. 
Maybe it's too crowded. Is your heart defiled this morning? Is it in need of purification? Is there sin in you that needs to come out? Can we have that heart of David where, where we have to get our hearts right? Where we become the man or woman after God's heart again? See, David had to become that shepherd boy, that heart playing, that temple dwelling, that dancing fool again. And I'm, I'm gonna end with this here. Um, Psalms 42 uh, starts out with like, God, I long for you as the deer pants for the water. So my soul thirsts for you. Psalms 4, it's got that, that great verse, deep calling unto deep. Psalms 42 is powerful, but there's, there's, there's verses in the middle there where, where David goes, why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you sad? Why are you depressed? Why aren't you, I, I, like I've been in worship before where I'm looking around and it's like, everybody's getting after it. Bergen's up here dancing, right? Savannah can barely play the keys because she's falling apart back there. Lucas is running around with a microphone, not even playing his guitar. And it's just like, man, they're getting lost in it. And I'm going, I don't feel nothing. I don't feel not a thing. I look at Sarah and she's crying. I'm looking at her and I was like, man, I don't feel nothing right now. Anybody ever been there? Anybody been there and go, I want to feel it, right? Anybody ever been in the place where like, God, I don't want you, but I want to want you. Yeah, yeah right? That's David in this spot. Like, why are you downcast? Like heart, why do you feel this way? I know I'm not supposed to feel this way. I don't want to be numb anymore. And so the question I get a lot of times is, man, I used to feel God, but I don't feel him anymore. Are you numb this morning? People say, when is it gonna come back? And I wanna encourage you, I don't know when, but I know that it will. And my life is proof. I've got testimony of that. I've got testimony of that. And I, I kind of feel this in my, in my spirit, I wanna say, I didn't have this in my notes, but, but oftentimes, oftentimes the Lord will remove that feeling to see who's really hungry. Because that feeling is gonna be removed. And are you still gonna obey me just because you had a butterfly? Or are you gonna be committed to me because I'm Lord? Right? And if you'll remain committed to him because he's Lord, I will testify that when you step into breakthrough, that desert turns into the most amazing oasis that you've ever felt. So what do you do when you don't want him, but you know that you but you want to want him and you know that you should want him. You stay in that place, making your flesh say, yes, sir. And you stand under the waterfall of grace. You just stand under the waterfall of grace and he will come because he always does. He cannot turn away a hungry heart. He cannot turn away a desperate heart. He will not turn away an obedient heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. James 4, 8 says that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. So how's your heart this morning? Where is it at? Is it sick? Is it tired? Is it downtrodden? What do you do? I love this Shane and Shane song. Oh, it's not their song, but they, they added this bridge here. But the, the chorus says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God, I, here they come. The God I love, here's my heart 
Oh, take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. All else I adore your name. Above all else, tune my heart to sing your praise. Above all else, I adore your name. Above all else, the highest praise, the loudest praise, the name above every other name. I love that, man. Prone to wonder, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take it and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Above all else, church, we have to guard our hearts. We have to watch that our inner self. We have to remain in him. We have to take our thoughts captive. And it's not a, it's not like a grit your teeth and I'm gonna try this a lot harder. It's man, just live in, live in communion and relationship with him. Remain in him. Read his word like you're in relationship with him, not just because you're going through a plan. That's fine if you're just going through a plan, but, but read your word like you're in relationship with him. Like he is talking to you through his word because he is. Y'all stand with me. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you found my hard, stubborn heart, that you found my heart that was prone to wonder, that you found my heart that was far and distant from you, that you found my heart when it was disgusting and it was ugly and it was nasty, that you saw that heart and you said that you wanted it. God, I'm so thankful that you came after me, that you chased that heart down, that you watched and you waited for me to take one step towards you after my heart had chosen every other lover, that you remained in that place and said that I was yours. Lord, I pray for every single heart in this place. I pray for the sick hearts, God, that you would bring healing to them. God, that you would break open their hearts, the numb hearts in this place, God, that you would bring feeling back to it again. Lord, teach us to follow our hearts in a holy way, in a guarded way, Teach us to be led by the impulses of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel this in my spirit right now that the Lord's saying, you didn't fall out of love. You simply stopped pursuing If you continue to draw near, he gets better and better and better. It's just like marriage. Marriage should just get more awesome. People don't fall in and out of love. They stop pursuing their first love. Don't stop pursuing just because the butterflies go away. Continue to pursue and butterflies will come like they've never come before. Feeling will be stirred up like it's never been stirred up before. You wanna feel the fire of God Lay your life on the altar until he sends the fire. Send your fire on our hearts, God. Give us a fresh baptism. Lead us and guide us this week that we would burn bright for you, that we would be led by your spirit with our new, clean, redeemed hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. 
If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.